I have great respect for the President of China. I actually told him, I said, you'll make a much better deal on trade if you get rid of this menace or do something about the menace of North Korea. Secretary Mnuchin and my entire administration are working around the clock to help struggling Americans achieve their financial dreams, earn a great paycheck, have a job that they love going to every single day, and have real confidence in the future. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. TGIF, 21st of April 2017. And thank you for tuning in, as always, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast on iTunes. And NeilAcruso.com. So we have a lot to get to uh, in a short amount of time here on the podcast because there's always so much that sometimes it just tend to go a long time. And uh, hope you are able to listen to all of them. What is this? Episode 52 now. Uh, well, today on this uh, Friday, President Trump has uh, signed a couple of executive orders and a memo um, empowering U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin to take the first step towards tax reform that he says will come as soon as next week, uh, weeding out some of the onerous portions of Dodd-Frank, a law implemented by President Barack Obama in wake of the financial crisis. Now, Dodd-Frank has put a lot of restraints, especially on small businesses and banks who have been unable uh, to loan money to uh, just two small businesses uh, and uh, people who want to start uh, companies. So th- there's been a lot of flaws to Dodd-Frank. It, while there should be some regulation, especially on the big Corporations, they always can hire people uh, to do those regulations for them. It's a young guy that ends up being hurt as a result of Dodd-Frank. So President Trump's uh, orders today, one executive order, two uh, memos. Um, As stipulated by the executive order, Mnuchin will assess the major tax rules implemented in 2016 and identify which ones can be reduced or eliminated. Uh, He's going to look to simplify the tax code. He's looking for policies that, quote, impose an undue financial burden on American taxpayers and um, or those that add undue complexity. uh, And he'll look to uh, weed those out. Uh, So he's given uh, the secretary, uh, secretary of Treasury, a lot of um, uh, freedom here to look into uh, some of these um, regulations that Dodd-Frank has imposed and then. Uh, tackle those accordingly. Uh, President Trump said uh, earlier before he signs the executive order and the two memos that uh, massive tax cuts for corporations and individuals can be rolled out as soon as next week. That would include what he wants as a 15% corporate tax rate on uh, corporations. He wants to repatriate money overseas to invest in United States uh, infrastructure. You know, we've had 49,000 manufacturing jobs already come back and uh, about 10,000 mining jobs come back as well uh, since President Trump took office. Uh, so uh, 
the tax cuts, which, you know, Americans uh, always would like a little tax relief, um, is part of Trump's America First agenda. And it looks like that's being tackled. Now, health care has been another issue. And health care looks like they're negotiating. And um, they have both uh, the uh, moderate group and they have uh, Representative Meadows, I know, in the uh, conservative wing of the party, the Freedom Caucus. They're meeting and they're gathering to um, to hash out their differences from the old bill. And uh, there is talk of an amendment to the American uh, Health Care Act that will actually begin in the Senate instead of the House this time to allow the Senate Budget Committee to go over it, uh, make any markups, and then send it back to the House for uh, budget rec uh, reconciliation. But, you know, there are uh, rules that have to be met in both chambers, and so uh, they're going to try to start with the Senate this time. Uh, but there's been negotiation going on quietly behind the scenes. I'm encouraged by that because that was the fault in the first plan. Uh, back on the um, first steps in tax reform here, because, you know, healthcare has so many um, taxes that have to be dealt with. And so it's going to be, um, it, it's going to be difficult to do tax reform first, you know, more difficult than it would be if healthcare was dealt with and you deal with the taxes that are in Obamacare. Um, so, but regardless, they're going to try to do both. And uh, President Trump was asked if he could get Dodd-Frank repealed by the end of the year, he didn't answer that question, but he said that uh, that they're making progress on it. Now, the first directive in Pre President Trump's orders uh, today takes aim at uh, orderly liquidation authority, which allows regu uh, regulators a process by which to dissolve a large business close to failure. Mnuchin is expected to assess how this process affects us, the taxpayers, and the financial stability of the country, among other criteria. That report is going to be delivered uh, within 180 days. So I like that he put pressure. We need this report in 180 days. Um, the second uh, uh, memorandum today calls for a review of the Financial Stability Oversight Council, the FSOC, which is authorized to determine when a non-bank financial company is in a state of financial distress that poses a threat to our economy. Mnuchin will review the process by which businesses are designated um, as what's called uh, systematically important financial institutions. So a step towards um, uh, dealing with relieving your wallets uh, today. Uh, so progress on that front. Healthcare, we'll see what the hell happens because uh, that's been a mess uh, with how that got rolled out. So now you have an amendment and uh, some leverage on the Democratic Party side uh, in terms of healthcare and uh, some of the polls showing that people actually just don't want anything to be done. Don't mess with it. Don't add more to my costs, uh, more than Obamacare has already done with uh, premium and deductibles increasing. But, you know, the talk about health care is that they're still going to keep um, guaranteed issue. They're still going to keep some of the um, uh, some of the provisions in it that would allow um, – that would actually, you know, keep prices – at a higher level than it would be if you got rid of like pre-existing conditions that allows um, already sick people to get health insurance, which, you know, if you, it's like I use the example, if you're going to buy flood insurance during a flood, you're not going to get it. It's not going to happen. Uh, you shouldn't be buying health insurance when you're already sick. You buy health insurance before you're sick, but it looks like that's not going to be taken out. It's not going to, probably won't be as conservative a plan 
um, as uh, as we would have uh, we would have liked, or as I would have liked. Um, now on the national security front, because you have uh, yesterday we had to go in detail with this um, uh, ISIS terrorist in France, uh, and you know what's coming out now is that uh, he actually had a note pledging allegiance to ISIS in his pocket um, as he killed a police officer yesterday uh, in Paris. Very sad, and unfortunately, um, this is not going away unless we deal with the ideology, which the last two programs we have discussed. And I'm not going to go into that again, especially on a Friday podcast, because um, I'd like to end the week on a, on a happy note if I can. But uh, today, an ISIS operative linked to the Istanbul bombing has been killed, uh, according to the Pentagon. U.S. forces in Syria. Now, you have to remember, Syria, where they're launching chemical weapons attacks— on their own people. That's where ISIS is based. And not only, and I talked yesterday a little bit about the Islamic State trying to build a caliphate. Not only do they want a physical caliphate, but now they're more, they're they're thinking uh, progressively. They're thinking, let's build a caliphate, a, a virtual caliphate, that in this day and age will, um, will encourage uh, people who are insecure, people who... Um, you know, tend to sympathize towards ISIS to join their radical um, extremist network, and they're recruiting online. And this is where the United States has to engage in a um, in an information war against the propaganda that the Islamic State is putting out. Now, today, uh, like I said, U.S. forces in Syria, where ISIS is located, have killed a top Islamic State operative who played a key role. Uh, on the New Year's Eve attack on the Istanbul nightclub. Now, you may, you probably do remember that, and we were worried here in New York about a copycat attack uh, on New Year's Eve. Um, I can't pronounce his name, and uh, frankly, I don't want to give him any uh, credit because, you know, I think what happens is it's like uh, when streakers used to run on an NFL field or a baseball game, whatever, they used to be shown on TV, and then they would copy that. And then they stopped doing that, so now you have TV networks that will not show a streaker on the field, not show someone run on the field at all, and that's been discouraged. And I think we have to actually stop giving these thugs, these terrorists, uh, credit for um, for their heinous and absolutely abominable acts. Um, the terrorist was a close associate, though, of uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who is very well known, the leader of the ISIS terror network. Uh, today, Brett McGurk, who is a special presidential envoy for the global coalition to counter ISIS, uh, tweeted out, confirmed, death of senior ISIS terrorist and Baghdadi associate via U.S. military operation uh, near Mayadin, Syria. We will reach you anywhere. Uh, Thomas said that the... Um, The uh, terrorists here helped ISIS move foreign fighters and funds and played a key role in plotting the terror attacks. And uh, he plotted the Istanbul attack that, uh, uh, unfortunately, dozens were wounded. It was a real um, real heinous attack right on New Year's Eve. And uh, this is what's going on around the world. Uh, so we killed a big ISIS operative. Fantastic. We need to keep up the, these efforts. And I credit President Trump for... Um, saying we are going to destroy ISIS, we're going to um, eradicate them off the face of the earth. And frankly, 
that should be the talk all along. I, I mean, I don't get why if President Trump speaks tough, if he talks tough and he's a little brutal towards a terror, a terrorist or a terrorist uh, organization, I don't understand how people um, get all in a tizzy of his rhetoric. Because, frankly, they are our enemies, and we need to destroy them by any means necessary. That means bombing the crap out of them. That means bombing the crap out of them. Uh, there was another story about uh, a confessed al-Qaeda operative um, who says he pers was personally congratulated by Osama bin Laden. Um, his citizenship has just been revoked. Okay, We're slower than you know, than you know what. Okay, um, he ran a communications hub with a terror with a terror group from California, uh, from his California home, in fact, and he just had his U.S. citizenship revoked by a federal judge today, according to the DOJ. The Egyptian-born, naturalized U.S. citizen, a former Silicon Valley car salesman, he was selling cars to Americans. Again, not even gonna say his name. He was ordered, and yes, it's a radical. It's a Muslim name was ordered to immediately surrender a certificate of naturalization to federal authorities today, stripping him of his citizenship and restrained from claiming any rights, privileges, or advantages of U.S. citizenship. I can't believe they're just doing this now. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, though, said that this case demonstrates the department's commitment to using all tools at its disposal, both criminally and civilly, to strategically enforce our nation's immigration laws and to disrupt international terrorism. A huge change of pace for the last eight years that allowed this guy to be a naturalized U.S. citizen. He became a naturalized U.S. citizen, by the way, in 1997. He left the country the following year and was arrested by Egyptian authorities. He's currently serving a 15-year prison sentence uh, in Egypt for terrorism-related offenses. And we just caught up to revoking his citizenship. See, yeah, good story. We revoked his citizenship, but to me, that's that should have been done in 1997. He should have never. How about he should have never been granted citizenship? And this is where there's been a huge flaw in our immigration system, just allowing a terrorist to gain citizenship. He leaves the next year and commits terrorist attacks, and you know he's been serving a 15-year prison sentence in another country, and we still don't have. His citizenship revoked until uh, uh, yesterday, Thursday. Uh, today's Friday. Um, you know, I found this interesting today. Australia actually unveiled this week a citizenship test. And so the, key, the there are four key points in their citizenship test. Number one, they must live in Australia for four years. They must speak English fluently. They must conform to Australian values and it limits the um, limits test takers to three tries. The test to get into Australia, you know, the citizenship test that Americans have to take, which is you know not hard if you truly want to um, to be a citizen of a country. I love that. This is what the U.S. should do: is institute that you must you must not have crossed the border illegally. You must be here for a number of years. Um, frankly, they should be speaking English. I agree with that because English is the language that we speak. You have to assimilate to our values. I was talking about American values. What does that mean? Freedom. Number one, liberty. Um, you know, exchange of ideas, saluting the flag, 
okay? And yeah, you shouldn't be allowed unlimited uh, uh, tries to uh, take a test. If you truly want to be an American citizen, then you'll do it. You'll pass it on the first try. That goes with anything. If you put your mind to anything, including a, a test, then you studied for it and you're prepared for it. So I love that. Um, a nice story today. Trump met with an Egyptian aid worker uh, released from a Cairo jail. I don't know if you heard about this, but today, um, Aya Hijazi, 30 years old, as well as her husband, Mohammed Asanin, and four other humanitarian workers were released and are back home. And uh, Aya Hijazi uh, was at the White House with President Trump today, looked elated, looked like she was uh, had tears in her eyes of joy to be with the president and to be um, to be allowed to be back um, in the U.S. What happened was the Egyptian-American charity worker, um, Jazi, who uh, was sent to prison for three years in Cairo uh, because uh, unfounded, what human rights um, groups have uh, said unfounded, um, there was a uh, Egypt crackdown in 2014 where she and her husband were sentenced to prison in May on child abuse, May of 2014, on child abuse and trafficking charges that have been widely criticized and dismissed by multiple human rights workers and U.S. officials as well, saying it's false. Jazzy graduated from Mason University, also grew up in Northern Virginia. No evidence brought against her and her husband um, or the four humanitarian workers that were there to provide humanitarian aid, and President Trump got her home. Uh, so very nice story there. By the way, just a follow-up, because we did this earlier in the week. There's a Michigan doctor um, arrested for uh, allegedly conspiring to perform female genital, uh, genital mutilation, and we went uh, pretty in-depth on the story and went nuts in terms of, or I did for that matter, um, in how this uh, type of radical Islamist, uh, uh, radical Islamic, um, uh, you know, uh, faith-based um, uh, thing here, uh, this uh, female genital, uh, genital mutilation uh, procedure, what's the word I was looking for, this procedure um, that uh, was performed on, on a few women, young women, um, and we talked about how, you know, this is this is why you have to assimilate to America, and so where we talked about American values. Well, this doctor in Michigan, uh, well, both the doctor and his wife were arrested and charged today for uh, for this by the Department of Justice. So uh, thank God that that happened. But of course, the media didn't cover this fairly and didn't talk, didn't even write her name, did not, uh, or his name for that matter, and didn't, um, you know, say that this was a radical Islamic um, procedure that was being performed on American citizens and something that, that is totally reprehensible. And it shouldn't be happening. So um, there will be justice in this case, but uh, absolutely disgusting and shouldn't be shouldn't be occurring in the first place. Uh, when we come back, some snowflake stories for you on a Friday. The New York Times apologizes for their misleading Trump Patriots tweet. Plus, why are college campuses so crazy? All these riots across the nation and culture had her speech canceled and then I guess put back on according to the Washington Post. We'll analyze that and we'll uh, we'll try to end on a lighter note on this Friday, the 21st of April. Neil's the real deal, but don't just take our word for it. I'll tell you what, I've gotten to know him really well. He's the real deal. 
We have somebody who's the real deal working for us, and that's what we need. Neil's the real deal. Telling it the way it is on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast on iTunes and the Neil A. Caruso Show Sundays at 12 noon Eastern on NeilACaruso.com. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Neil A. Crusoe is the man. He's like a fine wine. Every day goes by, I get to appreciate his genius more and more. Stay tuned to the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. All right, we're back on this Friday before the weekend and a big show coming up Sunday, the Neil A. Caruso Show at 12 noon Eastern. We'll have a story about veterans on Sunday and a great organization. I'll be uh, going out there tomorrow to see the... um, actually just send off uh, food to our troops in Afghanistan, uh, food and other items, and uh, we'll tell that story because uh, it's incredible what they do uh, for our current, currently serving uh, U.S. Uh, military members uh, who are fighting the war in Afghanistan. Um, so, uh, listen, um, with, all, with that in mind of, uh, you know, our veterans, our military members, what they go through, when you see... Something so stupid, especially in the mainstream media. The New York Times, they write a story the other day. I didn't even talk about it because, frankly, it's just so outrageous. Um, that they posted, the New York Times Sports Twitter posted a tweet. And I saw it that night. And I was like, this is absolutely, this is disgusting and wrong. Okay? It's not fact-checked. The Patriots even corrected them. The New England Patriots won the Super Bowl. They were at the White House, okay? First of all, they made a huge deal that his friend Tom Brady wasn't there and then tied, well, Tom Brady's wife doesn't like Trump and she's big on climate change. All right, he's sending a family issues. His mother has cancer, for God's sakes. Have some respect, all right? And it doesn't matter. He didn't go to Obama's um, thing and nobody made a big deal about that. And Brady, I don't know whether he liked Obama or not. He also never said whether he supported his friend in uh, Donald Trump. So we just don't know what the true story is there. Um, But what we do know is they put a picture comparing 2015 and 2017 when the Patriots won their their last two Super Bowls. And it appeared in the picture that the size was, the crowd was bigger in 2015, okay? But the fact was that in 2015, they lined the players up on the stairs. uh, And uh, instead, in 2017, they changed it a little bit and they put... Uh, the uh, Patriots staff in front of the podium um, on the lawn. So it was a different setup, so it's not comparable. And then also, 
Uh, I think 2015 had a couple more players that were there, but the size was virtually the same. And so now you have the New York Times sports editor, and the Patriots actually corrected them <laughs> and tweet, um, tweeted at the Times saying, this is misleading, this is wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, and the Patriots uh, said, this, uh, we have had about the same size. There was a different whatever. So the Patriots actually went after the Times for it. It was hysterical to see the Patriots PR department go after um, the New York Times, which was, I don't know how they could even put something like this out. It was so so wrong. And first of all, it doesn't matter, okay? I mean, uh, it's a privilege to go to the White House. It's not a right. It doesn't mean anything for President Trump. I mean, he's got enough issues on his hands in terms of North Korea and Iran and, and foreign policy. And people don't want to, you know, uh, send nuclear bombs in our backyard. That's more of his concern, I think, than the New England Patriots, how many of the Patriots show up, okay? You know, Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, their friends of Trump, they were there. Great, okay? And it was and it was good. It was a good event, whatever, if you enjoyed it, okay? He showed up, gave a speech, and then went back to work. And, uh, well, it's funny, too, Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> the big tight end for the Patriots, walked into the press briefing room, which was which is pretty funny, and uh, there was a, saw a picture of him giving a fist bump to Trump, but this is all stupid stuff, okay? So for the Times to make a big deal about this, and the Trump, of course, tweeted at the time saying, you know, they've been calling me wrong for two years, which is true, just got caught on a big lie concerning the Patriots' visit to the White House. It was re this uh, misleading photo comparison, by the way. This is where the danger of this is. It was retweeted more than 50,000 times. It's still on Twitter. And then the Times issued a clarification after the initial tweet went viral, of course, that didn't get as many retweets. So n more people didn't saw the fake news and the fake coverage of uh, the comparison, and people believed that, and then I'm watching um, late-night TV, and they made fun of it, and they believed the times, and they're wrong. So now you have millions of people in this country that believe that for some reason people don't—that the Patriots didn't like Trump, or they didn't show up. All right? It's just wrong. You are fake news. I mean, don't they vet things? Now, the New York Times sports editor called himself an idiot on Twitter today, as he should. He said, bad tweet by me, terrible tweet. I wish uh, I could say it's complicated, but no, this one is pretty straightforward. I'm an idiot. Yeah, pretty much. And it was invented. I mean, give me a break. Now, uh, Media Research Center came up with a uh, stat here that over, what was it, 88%? of coverage of President Trump in his first 100 days has been negative. Over, yeah, 88%, uh, 89%, excuse me, negative coverage of President Trump in the first 100 days. If you compare that, of course, with Obama, Barack Obama got mostly positive stories in his first 100 days. Um, and, uh, yeah, so President Trump being widely covered, widely scrutinized, and widely negative. Big surprise, 89% of the coverage negative by the liberal mainstream media of our president. When, hey, we've had so many successes, that'll be in our first 100 days show next Sunday, where we're going to go through what he accomplished, what his failures were, okay? We'll be fair on it. Now, healthcare and tax reform seem to be up in the air, as we discussed at the start, so uh, we'll see what happens. But first 100 days next Sunday— on the 101st day, we will go over exactly what he did right, what he did wrong, what, you know, we'll analyze it. All the actions that have been done, which, frankly, have helped American uh, people get back to work. You know, after eight years of terrible policy, 
you know, 95 million Americans on the labor force and 13 million more Americans on food stamps and 43 million in poverty, and that's just on the economy. And then the foreign policy that has let North Korea grow to what it is now. And then now let's go to the college campuses. There have been one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six major disruptive riots, anarchy on college campuses, where they have set campuses on fire, where they have rioted in the streets, okay? And now, uh, Anna Coulter, a conservative uh, commentator and speaker, uh, was going to give a speech at uh, UC Berkeley, the so-called uh, home of the free, free, free speech movement. Now, we saw what happened there, where the campus was literally set on fire, lit on fire, rocks thrown at police, the police just gave up. And the police commissioner there is, I don't know what he's doing, but there's no law and order. And apparently, well, not only were teachers and students involved, but outsiders came onto the campus to participate in setting that campus on fire and injuring many and, uh, and throwing mace around at Trump supporters, lighting Trump hats on fire. So, um, Anna Coulter said, I'm going to go anyway, okay? I have my own personal security. They make her jump through hoops. And what it came down to is that they're stifling free speech on college campuses. Big surprise. And that they're stifling, they don't want a conservative speaker to speak. God forbid they had different points of view because that'll set a riot. Well, if these snowflakes are going to riot over a different point of view, they should reevaluate themselves. And frankly, what she said last night, I believe it was on uh, Hannity last night, uh, on Fox News, and I agree with Ann Coulter in saying that, you know what? She told UC Berkeley, well, then tell those students that anyone who does any um, engages in any violence, you're automatically expelled and, and make sure that the police arrest them. But it's amazing that these snowflakes have so much power that they can just prevent anybody with a different point of view from coming on campus. And this is how, it's, how it feels to be a conservative on a college campus where you were uh, ridiculed, where you were called names such as racist and sexist and homophobic and white supremacist. It's absolutely abhorrent. And you know what else is abhorrent? I see this this morning, and I posted on uh, my Facebook page. Um, a professor at the University of Alaska made a painting. Now, this university professor was weeping and crying. <laughs> Hillary lost. And apparently he's a conservative professor, which is even worse, because he uh, he's acting like a real liberal snowflake. Um, and this University of Alaska professor actually wrote, uh, or painted, rather, a uh, depiction of President Trump's head, and you could Google this, decapitated in the arms of, uh, of someone, whatever, okay? And... Um, the decapitated head of our president with the body at the feet of this uh, figure. And, there, and the school is actually going to display this at their art show. And you can look it up. Go on my Facebook page, Neil A. Caruso. Disgusting, abhorrent, and listen, frankly, the Secret Service should be right on top of this. They, they I'm sure, are interested to learn the motives of the snowflake professor, okay, who spent all his days weeping after the November 8th election and crying himself to sleep because, oh, we have President Trump, who has helped people and helped the economy grow. Um, 12%, in fact, over uh, since his uh, inauguration. And the University of Alaska is going to actually publish this painting. And, you know, I'm sure these students had a good hearty laugh. And then the Trump supporters, who, you know, are the silent majority, not on college campus, but they are the silent majority, are... 
what, going to have to deal with this bullcrap? That this, you know, it was like that uh, high school student who used a water paint uh, or a, uh, uh, you know, water gun at, um, at the pictures of Donald Trump at the inauguration and pretending to shoot it. This is inappropriate. This is not engaged discussion. And imagine if it was Hillary's head decapitated. Imagine, oh my God, it would be uh, the professor's sexist. He would be fired. He would be sued by his students. But because it's Trump, they're getting a good hearty laugh. It's absolutely disgusting. And it shouldn't happen. And this is where college campuses, they don't teach. They don't teach anything that, that is worthwhile, okay? For the most, I mean, I'm talking about when they get engaged in politics, these professors think he is so vile that they think it's their duty that they actually believe and depict that he is decapitated. Well, I wonder what the Secret Service thinks of that. And where is his mental state? Absolutely. I mean, in, now, meanwhile, you have a conservative professor that likes Trump, and they're parading through the streets, and there's all these protests. You know, and they're the ones who hold these signs with the most vile language comparing Trump to Hitler, wearing these hats of the female anatomy to get their point across. They don't want any civil discussion, frankly. And this is just another example of, of just abhorrent, outrageous uh, behavior by the left, uh, especially in college games. So that's where we end uh, this week. I mean, listen, you got to support our country. When we have, you know, an economy that uh, needs to be grown, I'm more concerned about the economy than I am concerned about people's feelings. I'm more concerned about our military members and about uh, the VA being reformed. And I'm more concerned about North Korea than I am about uh, weeping and crying over the election. We'll see you Sunday on the Neil A. Crusoe Show. Big League Show planned. God bless you and God bless America. The Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast is a production of Crusoe Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Crusoe on social media. And log on to neilacrusoe.com to sign up for Crusoe's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.